Every team, every topic, everywhere. This is Believe. Hey everyone, welcome back to another edition of the Patriots Report. I'm Christopher Price of the Boston Globe. Our guest today is Mike DeVito. Mike played nine years in the NFL as a defensive lineman, six with the Jets and three with the Chiefs. He's New England born and bred though. He played high school football for Nauset on Cape Cod. For my money, he's the best player in Cape Cod high school history. He went on to Maine before reaching the NFL. These days, you can follow him on Twitter at MikeDeVito70. Mike, thank you very much for joining me today. I really appreciate it, buddy. Chris, it is awesome to be on, man. It is very rare that I get invited onto a New England Patriots uh, podcast <laughs> or any sort of media, let alone uh, with somebody of your status. So it's it's really great to be here. I, I really appreciate it. Well, like I said, man, you are New England born and bred. And so, so I, I appreciate you taking the time to do this and, and, and kind of giving us your perspective on some Patriot stuff. And we're also going to talk some league stuff, you know, just as, as we go on here, uh, you know, throughout the afternoon. But the standard first question out of the gate, we ask every guest here on the Patriot support. What do you think of Mac Jones through five games? Oh, I mean, Chris, it's just okay. So I again, I'm coming at this as you know a lifetime Jets fan, and uh, and obviously finishing my career the Chiefs and being a Chiefs fan as well. Um, so do I? Do I like to see New England get a quarterback as a rookie who looks like he's going to be a stud for a long time? No, I can't stand that. <laughs> but putting that aside. I mean, when you look at Chris, and, I, and your listeners know this, when you look at what he, the, the situation he's been put in with the injuries and the offensive line stuff going on uh, and, and all the things that, you know, all the sort of things that a rookie quarterback needs that are imperative if you want a rookie quarterback to play well, a run game, uh, a, co- a cohesive offensive line, um, all your, you know, your starting backs being there. Um, all those sorts of things. He hasn't had any of that. And he's played with such poise, such ability. I mean, you see the throws he can make, you see the talent that he has. Um, And then he's just, he's that new England guy. I mean, when you listen to his uh, post-game interviews, when you listen to his weekly interviews, I mean, he's a guy that you just love. He's a humble guy. You can tell he's a hardworking guy and having obviously not played in new England, but played with under Eric Mangini for two years when you have a guy that has that kind of talent, but yet at the same time has that mindset mm-hmm. where you know this isn't an ego guy, this isn't your typical quarterback guy that's gonna, uh, you know, you know that, that it's all about him. I mean, this is really a team first guy, uh, and that's the Patriots' way. And so he has all of the things that you would want for a New England Patriots quarterback, and to have him as a rookie, where you know you're going to have this guy for a long time, and you can build the team around him. Uh, wow. I mean, if I was a Pats fan, I would just be so excited. And he's a guy, even as a Jets and and Chiefs fan that I like to root for. I mean, he's just a guy that you love, Mm -hmm. um, the way he carries himself. And so obviously you've had, you had some rookie moments, but again, he, the, the way he's played, you know, through five games now with all the other stuff going on around him and, you know, it's just, he really has stepped up and looks already like a veteran quarterback. Um, and he's, you know, he's five games in. I appreciate you bringing up two things that I kind of want to piggyback on a little bit. First of all, the fact that he really hasn't had a lot of, you know, the pieces around him through the first five mm-hmm. games, the running game has really struggled. And mm-hmm. with the loss of James White, I think it's going to continue to try to find its way. They've had some issues with ball security. 
And then the second thing is just, and that kind of feeds into it. You want to do as much as you can to set your rookie quarterback up for success. Mm-hmm. You know, it, my, my, my whole point, I'll go back to this before, you know, the Tampa Bay game, it, it's not a recipe for success. If you have your rookie quarterback throw the ball 51 times, that being yeah. said, they, they almost pulled it off. And so yeah. all of those things continue to work against him. And look, like you said, it hasn't been perfect for him through five games, but at the same time, when he shows this level of poise and command, you have to like where he is at this stage of his development. Oh my goodness. I mean, I always, I hearken back to um, Mark Sanchez first year with the jets Mm -hmm. and look at what he was surrounded by. I mean, he had one of the best offensive lines in NFL history. He had what, so that was 2009. So it would have been Thomas Jones as a running back, but then LT the next year Uh, he had, forgive me if I'm mixing up the years, 2009, but I think, I believe he had uh, Braylon Edwards he had Dustin Keller. I mean, he was stacked with guys. And you still saw the rookie mistakes. And But, boy, they ran the football. And he and at every play, he had threats that he could throw the ball to. Uh, and so while you still saw the rookie stuff, I mean, the, the Jets had set him up to, to prosper. New England, not, not that New England didn't do a good job setting him up, but it's just the way it's played out. I mean, when, we, when you go into this year, Chris, you look at the offensive line, you look at the run game, you look at the backs and think, oh, yeah, they're, they're set up. You yeah. know, to do well, they're, they're set up for Mac to succeed. And then just how it's played out, it couldn't have gone worse. I mean, when you have a game against the Bucks where it was what, what minus one, minus yards, one yard. Yeah. Forget it. Forget it. I mean, no, Patrick Mahomes is, is going to have a tough time uh, in that in that uh, in that scheme, because now as a defensive lineman, you are just licking your child. I mean, every play, you're 100 miles an hour off the football. Who cares? Who cares? They have minus one yards. Who mm-hmm. cares? A hundred miles an hour off the football. Everybody's back in the coverage. I mean, that is just as hard as it gets uh, for a quarterback, let alone a rookie quarterback. Um, and yet he's still able to have success and do well. Like, like you said, 51 attempts against the Saints. You just you'd never want to put a rookie in that situation. Uh, but you're right. You almost you almost pull it off. And so yeah. all the signs for this, this young man point up and up at like a, a drastic angle. I mean, he's just, uh, he's just, he's incredible. And, and, uh, and so, yeah, geez. Wow. So the, the Patriots go from Tom Brady, then they have, you know, a couple of bumps in the road and now you have Mac Jones, who's going to be, you know, this, <laughs> this, uh, the next sort of Pat Mahomes, Tom Brady type guy it's like oh great you know i'm not gonna be at the basement with my jets for another decade (laughs) i want to flip i want to flip things a little bit and look at another newcomer on the defensive side of the ball that i think has been maybe the biggest free agent signing at least in the the last handful of years that i could remember as well as maybe one of the best free agent signings across the league this year and that's in matt judon who who really has the capacity We've seen this through the first five games to be a true game record, to be the kind of guy who can draw holding calls, who can get pressure on the quarterback, who can hit the quarterback. Tell me a little bit about what you've seen from him as a former defensive lineman. What can you respect? What can you appreciate what he's been able to bring to this team through the first five games? Yeah. I mean, he, he has really been a bright spot. I mean, I mean, you just look at, and how he get how like you said he's a game wrecker. I mean he can really wreak havoc. And so what do we? We're five games in and he already has six and a half sacks. Mm-hmm. I mean it's just that he he that's what you need. You need that especially if you're worried about the back end. Right, you got rid of Gilmore. 
you want to make up for some stuff going on in different areas. A great pass rusher like that who can just be so disruptive in these really important situations, right? These important third down situations um, that can cover a multitude of sins. I mean, that can make up for a lot of stuff going on in other areas. Uh, and, you know, he's, he's athletic. You can put the, you know, he's the kind of guy you can, you can move him out into coverage if you have to. I mean, he, he's the type of guy that can do a number of different things. Uh, but again, the primary thing being he can get after the quarterback and he's doing it, you know, he's doing it fantastic. Better than he has any other year past. Uh, and he's always been a good pass rusher. But, I mean, to have six and a half sacks after five games, uh, that is that is impressive stuff. And so that's another one of these pieces that you look at and say, wow, you know, that was that was a good sign. And he's coming from Baltimore. But Baltimore is always putting out guys like oh, yeah. that. Those, yeah. They're always – they have a great – I don't know what they're doing down there, but they can build that outside rusher really well. <laughs> um, but, yeah, but, no, I mean, I think back to my time in Kansas City where we had guys like – Tom Bahali and Justin Houston, right? Same sort of yep. uh, abilities that I was outside big, strong, physical guys who aren't, you know, so light in the butt that they're going to get pushed around in the run game. I mean, he can set the edge. He can make the plays. He can stop the run. But at the same time, when it's, you know, when it's those critical downs, um, these guys were able to bring it and they just, you know, cause so much. When you have a guy on offense, you say, yeah, we have to focus on him. Like now they're looking at Judon and saying, we, we really have to focus on him because like you said, he can just, he can just cause so many problems. Um, that, that's a, that's a beautiful asset to have. And it, it frees up other guys, right? I mean, this is the one thing that I really benefited from in Kansas city was, I was going to ask about this. Yeah. Yeah. Well, nobody's going to double team me. Right. But when they have to double team everybody else, and I know that I'm going to, you know, as a, as a defensive lineman up front, I know that, Hey, you know, there are at least two guys are on Judon. So if I'm on his side of the ball, you know, I'm probably going to have a two way go. Mm -hmm. uh, that opens up a lot of um, opportunities for other guys to make plays when you have a guy up like that, that an offense really has to focus on. You, you, um, had, that, you had that in New York, too, didn't you? For to, to, yeah. to a limited extent. Yeah, not to the extent that I did in Kansas City. New York was really built to stop the run, right? Mm -hmm. We were going to stop the run, and then we were going to get pressure through blitzing and having a great secondary with Revis and Cromartie and those guys. Um, but, you know, you still had um, Calvin Pace, who was a great outside rusher. I mean, he'd give you six, seven, eight sacks a season, and you had Brian Thomas on the other end. Um, so, yeah, so we, we had some – we certainly had some, some good rushers. Uh, but, again, in those sort of third-down situations with Rex – when you can put Revis one-on-one -on, -one on the number one guy and you can put Cromartie one-on-one -on, -one on the number two guy, now you can, you know, now you can do all this elaborate stuff. Uh, we used to, you know, we used to shift the defense totally to one side of the ball and then at the last second, you know, bring the other side, you know, shift them back and bring them off the other side. I mean, you bring seven, eight guys. It didn't, it didn't matter because we could cover everybody mm -hmm. with, the, with the DBs that we had. Um, so that's how we got it done there. But in Kansas City, it really allowed – it really freed me up to, to make plays. Now, I wasn't on the field in third down a lot. But even in first and second down, I was making a lot of tackles because they had to worry about, you know, Dontari Poe in the middle and Justin Houston and Tom Bahali on the outside and Derek Johnson out there as well. So uh, those kind of things just allow you, you – they just – when you have a guy that that dynamic, um, it allow – it's not only good because he's going to make plays, but it opens up a lot of opportunities for other guys to make plays. So this is good for guys like Devin Godshaw and Lawrence Guy and, you know, some of the other guys who are along the New England interior who might be able to be freed up to get pressure moving forward. So, so, And that's a great point because 
Judon has done so well statistically over the first five games, but there are things like that that we don't necessarily take into account at first glance that that really have an impact in the game. I, I'm going to make a big, broad brush, way too early, premature statement here, and, and, and I want to get your take on this. That yeah. We've seen this defense led by Devin McCourty, who is basically the spirit. You know, every every handful of years, you get a guy on that defense like a Teddy Bruschi, like a Ty Law, uh, you know, maybe mm. not Ty, but but you know maybe Teddy is 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 probably a, a better analogy here. Who is the the unquestioned leader of that defense? And right. I'm wondering if we're witnessing a situation now where, with Devin McCourty getting on in years, he's already been in the league you know a decade. Matthew Judon, a relative newcomer, I'm putting my quote fingers here when I say that, a relative newcomer. Are we seeing a transition on the New England defense from this being a Devin McCourty-led defense, McCourty, who I still believe is going to be one of Bill Belichick's favorite players when it's all said and done, to Mm. a Matthew Judon defense? Yeah. Yeah, I mean, well, as a player, when you look at the other guys around you that are going to lead you, and I don't know if guys always say this, but it's true, um, it's hard to lead a team and to be that guy if you're not productive, mm-hmm. right? So, like, I would go out there and I'm just sort of a cog in the wheel, like a first, second down run stop being guy. I'm not coming out with all these numbers. You know, people are going to listen to me and they'll they'll respect me, but are you going to be the face of a defense when you're not the most productive guy? Pro- probably not. Um, and so the one thing I know for Judon that we were talking about is he's productive. He's a, he's, a, he's a chaos maker. He, he, he is a guy that's, that you're going to look to as another player and say, oh, yeah, well, production-wise, uh, he's the guy. But there's, there's two parts to it. You not, only can you, not only do you have to be a stud uh, when it comes to talent-wise and playing the game, but you also have to be a good leader, mm-hmm. uh, a good person in the locker room, you know, the, the, the kind of guys that you mentioned. Even the tie laws too. I mean, you, the, the guys that you bring up, the McCordys, uh, you know, the, the 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 list of guys that you can look at from New England and say, wow, yeah, no, those are the, the face of those defenses were incredible. Um, they're also a special kind of people. I mean, I remember Ty Law came to New York for one year in 2008, and he took us all out to dinner, and he sort of gave us a behind the scenes of what goes on in New England, how they, mm-hmm. you know, how they really come together as a family and they work their tail off, and, and he. You know, just got to go through all of it. But he, you could just tell, like, he was built different than the guys we had. He had a different yeah. mindset. Not only was he a great player, but he had that New England mindset. Now, what I don't know about Matt Judon is if he has that. Um, you would probably know better than I do, Chris. I don't know the behind-the-scenes stuff. I don't know him. Uh, you know, obviously, he's in New England, and he's prospering. Um, and, and and Bill Belichick isn't going to bring in guys that sort of don't fit their mold. Um, so I, I certainly could could see him doing that just production-wise. Um, but I think, again, this, the list of guys that you named, you can all tell that those are special. Those are special people as well, special leaders as well. And so it, that that's what you're going to look to next with Judon is, OK, you have the production. Does he have that um, New England leadership that, you know, that New England way, what it means yeah. to be a patriot? Uh, and that that I'm just not as sure of just because I'm just not as familiar with him as a person. It's still, like I said, it's still very early on and it's a wildly premature statement on my part, but it just feels like the more we hear Judon speak, the more we see him continue to make plays, the more we hear Bill talk him up. He feels like the kind of guy who's been here for a couple of years already. Yeah. He feels like yeah. the kind of guy who just kind of fits 
who was in you say, you know, after, you know, a year or so, you're going to say, well, he, wait, he wasn't part of that Super Bowl team against the Rams. I could, oh, okay. Okay. When did yeah. you get it? You, know, you, <laughs> yeah. you, you start to think, you know, it, it kind of all blends seamlessly into one. And again, like I said, it's incredibly early and we're getting right. way ahead of our, I'm getting way ahead of myself here when, you know, when we're talking about this, but I, I just think that it, it continues to, let's just say trend in that direction. Let's, let's shift gears here a little bit. Let's focus on this weekend. New England has a fairly tall order in trying to slow down the Cowboys. If you're in those defensive meeting rooms this week, what's the focus? I imagine it starts with bottling up Dak, trying to slow down Zeke Elliott. I, I wonder, given the Patriots' let's say inconsistency when it comes to stopping the run, I, I wonder if Elliott is 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 the primary focus here. Yeah, oh, I I think you hit the nail on the head with the two two nails on the head with the first two things you said. Keep Dak in the pocket. Right. Don't let him don't let him do anything with his feet and stop the run. Right. Let, let's let's make them beat you in the passing game, which obviously they're, they're good there as well. But th- you don't you don't want a team to be able to come out with Zeke and that good offensive line that they have and just run the football at will. I mean, we've seen, you know, having covered Kansas City now for the past five weeks and seeing how. Uh, how much, even when you have a team like KC who can put up 30 points, how demoralizing it is when a team can just run the ball at will on you, mm-hmm. right? I mean, it just w- watching KC's defense trying to stop the run, it's just been like, oh man, it, it just, there's just something about it, especially in knowing being a player, having been in that position, when a team can run the ball on you, it's like, oh, it just, takes it's those you know rex ryan used to say it's those body blows right it's those shots to the stomach that uh, too many of those by the end of the fight you just have nothing left um and so you got to be able to stop the run dallas can run the football great offensive line but the the beauty of stopping the run is it's really a mindset chris it really is you, you know i was uh not a super talented guy i wasn't a super athletic guy it just i enjoyed stopping the run you go in there, you get the you get the film at the beginning of the week, you get the run breakdowns, you study the hell out of it. When you show up on Sunday, you know exactly what's coming, study personnel, study down and distance, study formation tips, and then you go out there and you do that grunt work. Um, and it's not pretty, it's not flat, it's not, you know, it's not gonna get you paid. But you can, but you know, it doesn't take a special person to do that physically. It just it's a mental thing. It's a it's a uh, you know, uh, you know, it's a can you nut up and, and get after it? Uh, and who, who's going to put on that double chin strap and really bring it in, in those rundowns. Um, and so again, it's, it's something that new England can do. Uh, I've seen Lawrence guy was a guy. I, I always enjoy watching him. I think he's a great run stopper. He, again, a guy from Baltimore who knows those techniques, uh, knows how to stop. Them. I mean, you, you got the guys to do it. So that, that's going to be your focus in this game. That, that, that has to be st- stopping the run and then keeping Dak in the pocket. you got to make sure you're paying attention to your pass rush lanes and and keeping him keeping him you know force him to drop back and throw the football don't let him run all over the place and and use his feet to open up other opportunities i think you get those two things done and they can get that done uh i think they you know i think you you still got a good chance to to win this game i mean especially when you got a guy like mac jones on offense who can even with all the things going on with him who can still make plays and and, and get done and get you know play smart with the football and and uh and get stuff done on offense i think that um, if you can if you can slow them down defensively, New England could come out with a win in this game. The phrase that I keep coming back to was the same phrase that I, I heard an awful lot before the Bucks game, and that's keep it manageable. 
mm-hmm. if you're Mac Jones, keep it manageable. Right. Don't let the game, you know, you, you're going to need defensive stops. Right. Continue, you know, multiple defensive stops. Obviously, you can't afford to get into a shootout. You just don't have the options around you to exactly. get into a shootout. And exactly. so, yeah, if you keep this thing in the teens, in the 20s, you have a better chance to win than if it gets up into the 30s. So slow the game down. Right. I, I don't want to say force him to run the football, but that's a far better option than, than you know, Dak throwing it all over the place. And then you hopefully, with your fingers crossed, get some special teams magic. You know, you 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 get a couple of long field goals from Nick Falk. You get a good return, and and it all kind of comes together. But I, I think this is, without a doubt, their second toughest test of the season so far. You know, you 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 put the Bucks out there, far and away, defending Super Bowl champs, Tom Brady as the number one challenge that they face. But you know the 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 Cowboys, if they play like the if they play against the Bucks the same way they did against the Cowboys, they're gonna have a shot. And, and yeah. it's, it's basically, it's up to Mac to kind of, like I said, keep it manageable. That's right. And that's what New England has always done well, that you still, you know, and maybe it could be that Mac has some of the, the rookie things going on. Uh, but the one thing that we always talked about with New England when I was playing with the Jets and with Kansas City is like, look, they're going to play football smarter than anybody else. Right. You cannot make mistakes because this is a team that isn't going to make mistakes. This is a team that isn't going to you know, fumble the football. This is a team that isn't going to have these bad penalties. This is so, you know, this year has been a little bit different, but, but I think understandably given the way things have played out, especially on the offensive side. Um, But this is, that's still the new England way is to play smart, consistent football. And, and you're right. Keep the game tight, right? Don't give them any opportunities. Um, uh, Make, you know, Make them have to go out there and win the game. Don't give them any extra stuff because we know we know how potent the Cowboys can be and how how well they've been playing the season. But you're right. That, that, all of that said, circling back to what you just said, keep it manageable, right? Keep it just like you did against the Bucks. You know, keep it to a field goal game. Uh, uh, and I think Mac can Mac can Mac can win you these games. I mean, you have a quarter. This isn't uh, the quarterback that you that you have to find different things in different areas to get it done. Matt can win you the games, uh, but you're, you don't want him throwing the ball 50 times. You don't want this to be a shootout where you have to bomb it downfield and, and try to put up, you know, 35, 40 points. Keep it close. Keep it tight. Manage the football. No turnovers, no penalties. The stuff that New England's always been known for. Um, and, and you're in this game. And I think that really says something, too, Chris, about the Patriots, when you, especially, like I've said a million times, when you look at all the stuff that's going on on offense and, and, and you got a rookie quarterback and, you're, and yet you look at the teams they're playing and you're saying, hey, here's one of the top teams and shoot, they can, they can stay with them. They can, they can win this game. Even with all the other stuff going on, they're still good enough. They're still talented enough. They're still well-coached enough to hang in there and win these different games. We saw it with the Bucks game and, uh, and you could see it, you know, you can, you could see it. Like I wouldn't be shocked if they beat the Cowboys. Mm-hmm. Let, let me, let this one more, pre, one more pregame Cowboys question for you. If, if you're new England and you are having trouble along that offensive line, it looks like last week, at least in the short term, Karras and Ferentz kind of shored up the interior there. They mm-hmm. may get Shaq Mason back. You know, do do you get? How do you scheme up blocking if you're if you're the Patriots going into this one? It's so hard. It's so difficult to do. I, you know, this was again covering Kansas City all year. One of the worries was 
how is the offensive line going to do because you have three rookies starting? And so the thing with offensive line, and I'm sure this is something that your listeners know, and I know you know, Chris, but offensive line, you could have five pro bowlers across the front and not have a good offensive line because these guys haven't played together. They're not on the same page or they're playing out of position. They're playing in different spots. I mean, the offensive line is really one of those groups that not only does it take good players, it takes a good group to come together and, and make sure everybody's on the same page at the same time. Um, and so that's what makes this um, carousel going on in New England that much more difficult is, uh, you know, there's no, they haven't had an opportunity to set the five, same five guys out there and start to build that cohesiveness as a group. Mm-hmm. Um, and so, yeah, what do you do? Well, I think you, you know, they're, they're at home, right? I mean, the play of the Cowboys at home, mm-hmm. you, you do what you can with snap counts. Um, you do what you can with um, change in formations. I mean, I would, you know, with those kind of things, you, you'd like to, you know, motion the tight end more often or move, you know, move the backs around, keep defenses having to look and see what's going on. Uh, one play that I always liked that used to slow us down up front is traps, run trap plays, R- throw in some wrinkles that are just enough to keep guys thinking. Um, and those that can really help offensive lines out as, as Matt, get the ball out, you know, get, get the ball out as quick as you can. You don't want to, you don't want to rush anything, mm-hmm. uh, but don't sit, don't sit back there and let guys, you know, let those stunts develop up front. You know, when we were playing new England and Tom Brady, there would be times Brady wouldn't have great offensive lines and we would try to do things up front, and he just he knew he didn't have a good offensive line, so he would get rid of it fast. And there's nothing more de- demoralizing than you when you hit a perfect move or when you run these games up front and you come free and the ball's been gone for two seconds when you get there. <laughs> uh, you know, so like Mac can help out by by you know not not sitting back there too long, getting the, getting the ball out of his hands. So, uh, but ultimately, Chris, I mean. It, it's just one of those things that you just and you got to get you, you got to try to help them get in the run game going. I mean, offensive lines love when they can run the football, right? I mean, you you got to tell those guys because that's another one of those things. Just like on defense, just like you know, as on defense on offense, it doesn't take a ton of skill. It just takes hey, let's double team up to the backer. 100 miles an hour off the ball. Let's knock a guy back and get opportunity to establish the run, whether it be, you know, sort of the power stuff or the zone scheme stuff, whatever you got to do. Give them some confidence running the football. Give them an opportunity to build confidence running the football, working together, working those double teams, those scoop blocks, things like that. Um, but I'll tell you what, Chris, All at the end of the day, if there's a unit that you say, hey, you're going to go into a game a little bit banged up here or a little bit out of place, you know, what what unit would you be most worried about that being the case? It would, it, with any team, it would be the offensive line because it's just – it doesn't matter how good your guys are if they haven't played together or they're playing at a position. I, I always go back to the idea when you're talking about offensive line in New England that once – when Dante Scarnecchia retired a second time, it took, <laughs> it took two coaches to replace him. Oh, uh, I was going to say that. That's Yeah, exactly I mean, it, right it, it took two coaches. So, look, I, I don't know if – you know, I, I think about the scene in Pulp Fiction where, you know, they, they, they had a problem and Marcellus called the wolf. I just, I, and he showed up in like eight seconds. I, I wonder if Bill is going to be on the phone to Dante, you know, much like that, where, yeah. where they call him in and say, hey, look, let's, let's, you know, let's get this thing fixed. And that's, and, and you know what's so funny? That's exactly right. And the offensive line, again, this is a, a unique position in the sense, too, that co- coaching 
can make all the difference. I had an opportunity to play against offensive lines coached by Bill Callahan and then in Kansas City with Andy Heck and then obviously playing against Skarnecchia's offensive line all the time and then getting to play against New England teams that didn't have Skarnecchia, you know, Skarnecchia coached offensive line. Mm -hmm. I mean, the coaching can make a massive difference there. Um, and so, and I don't, I don't know what it is. I, I gotta, I have to dig in and see what it is because as a defensive lineman, you know, co coaching certainly helps, but at the end of the day, you go out there and you, you, you get it done, but it could go back to the fact that everybody has to play together and be on the same page mm -hmm. and, and coaching can really drill that home. But Skarnecchia, man, those guys, I don't, I don't know what kind of secret sauce he has, but the, they, the difference between the Skarnecchia played offensive line and the Skarnecchia a non-Skarnecchia coached offensive line is, is night and day. So if I were Bill, I would be offering him whatever he wanted to just come back for, what is it, 11, 12 games? Just come back for 12 games. Yeah, just 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 kind of be part of the kitchen cabinet and just kind of say, that's right. kind of whisper in the ear every so you know work two days a week or something and just kind of you know, that's give, right. give me some notes. Give me, I, I want to before we, we're almost we're almost out of time here. I just want to wrap oh, sorry, up with a, a, a couple of quick questions, um, league wide questions. First off, I know that that they beat up your Chiefs pretty badly right now uh, on Sunday night. Is there a better team out there right now than the Bills? I don't think so. You when you when you can hold Kansas City to twenty points. Uh, I don't, I don't think so. I mean, they just, they just look good from top to bottom. Allen's playing out of his mind. Um, yeah, you know, I, 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 I mean, when you look at him, Chris, do you see any weaknesses? I don't really no. see much. No, I don't see anything. And, and, you know, like, I guess, I guess I, I'm just so used to Buffalo being bad that I, every year I'm like, <laughs> oh, they'll be bad. You know, like there's nothing to worry about. And then, this is really the first time I've been like, wow, what, what team is, you know, where did these guys come from? I mean, mm -hmm. this is just so, so much different than what we've seen in the past, but yeah, no, they, they beat the snot out of Kansas city. I, I, I have to go on a podcast night and talk and recap Kansas city. Um, and I just don't even know what to say because it, it was, I don't, I, I don't know if I've seen a loss that bad in since Andy Reid's been out there. I mean, there must've been one that I'm forgetting, but that was a total shellacking. Like Kansas City did not look like the uh, you know the the dynasty that everybody want you know expects them to be, and I I expected them to be. Well, um, I, I wonder I, if I I, I, I don't mean to cut you off here, but I wonder if this is an, and I saw someone write this the other day that this sets up as Kansas City's on to Cincinnati moment, where in you know a handful yeah. of years ago, where yeah. you know Bill and the Patriots went into Kansas City and just got absolutely spanked. You know, all the odds were against him. Everyone thought it was over. And, you know, then they came out and they rolled and, you know, they they, they went on to win the Super Bowl. So, I mean, yeah. this is this is one of those, you know, six and one half dozen of another things. If you're an optimist, you think, hey, this sets them up for a great comeback. But at the same time, like you said, they've never been in this situation before under Andy Reid. And it's going to be fascinating to see how they respond. Yeah, no, that's exactly right. That's that's exactly right. I, 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 this could certainly be that for them. It really has to be that for them. Um, I think, you know, I listened to Andy Reid's press conference and he talked about how teams have, you know, teams initially when with, with the Pat Mahomes offense, uh, you know, started in man covering, you know, challenging them in man. And now they've dropped into almost like a cover four. Mm -hmm. And basically what they're saying is we'll give you all the stuff in the middle, uh, but you keep making mistakes. You keep fumbling the football, turning the football over. And so we'll let you drive, but eventually you're going to make a mistake. We're not going to give you the big home run. 
you know, we're not going to give you Kels or, or, uh, or Hill over the top. Uh, we'll, we'll give you the inside stuff. We'll give you the little chunk plays and then you'll, you'll turn it over. And, 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 but, and, and like, that's so not like Kansas city to be, to make those kind of mistakes, but that's the stuff we're seeing. And I wonder, uh, I wonder if part of it is you just have two phases of the game that are on opposite ends of the spectrum where Kansas city's offense is so good and Kansas city's defense is so bad. And I just wonder if, if Pat Mahomes and those guys are trying to do so much because they know we have to score every play right. or, you know, every series we have to score because, it, you know, the, the defense just can't stop anybody. That's a terrible place to be. Um, so, yeah, so I'm, I'm optimistic that they do get it right. I know Andy Reid's one of the greatest coaches I've ever been around. I mean, he's amazing. If anybody can get it right, he can. Mm-hmm. You remember, I, you remember Chris 2015, he pulled us out of a one in five yeah. start to go to the playoffs. I mean, so if anybody knows how to get it done, it's Coach Reed. The, 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 just the thing that worries me is the defense just looks – I mean, eventually you've got to stop somebody, and they, they just cannot seem to stop anybody. They're just like Swiss cheese. Yeah. You know, there's just it is, holes. Yeah. It's just it's, – it's, it, it was surprising to see, but again, the flip side to it is that the Bills are rolling right now. And, and I guess maybe yeah. – yeah. One other thing that, that we always have to keep in mind in October is that it's October, that we're only yeah. five games in, that, like you said, you know, that yes. team that lost five of its first six ended up going to the playoffs. Yeah, I wrote a story the other day listing all of the teams that started one and three that ended up in the postseason. So yeah. there is – it is a cliche, but there is a lot of football left to play. I, I want to wrap up with two personal questions. First off, and I asked you this before we started – um, you're with the Jets and Rex Ryan, and from talking to guys who played with the Jets when Rex was there and reading the book Collision Low Crossers, it was it seemed like it was a wild time. And we all know yeah. a lot of the Rex Ryan stories, but what's your favorite Rex Ryan story? There are so many, but it's just a very, a very simple, quick little thing. But um, we were it was during OTAs when he first got there. And um, this was 2009 season. And every week he'd be showing us Ravens tape to teach us, you know, on defense, right? So be in the defensive meeting room. And, and every week he would come in and he'd show, or every practice he'd come in and show us Ravens tape to say, look, this is how you play the defense. This is how you play the defense. Look at what Ray Lewis is doing. Look at what, you know, Haloti Nada, how he's playing. And so every, you know, OTA practice, we would have to see that. And then the, one of the last practices, and, and it, it got frustrating because, like, all right, we get it. We know. Here's how the Ravens do it. Like, we, we got it. Uh, and the last practice, he came in right, right after we got done practicing. And he said, look, I'm so – and he came in so mad, right? And he's like, I'm so pissed. We have to do this again. But I have to put on more Ravens tape to show you guys how to play football. And he put the film up, and it was us. It was it was our guys playing. He said, "Look, this is how you play the defense right, right." And it would it was us from practice doing the defense correctly. And then you know there'd be a highlight of another guy doing it well during OTAs, and a highlight of another guy. And then he just threw it down. He's like, "That's how you got to play." And he walked out. And it was just funny because everybody was caught off guard because it's like, "Wait a minute, I thought he was going to show us Ravens film, but then you got it." it was like, "Oh, he was you know he's he's saying you guys figured it out. Like you guys are starting to come together and 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 you know and and." Uh, uh, and and play like you you know and, and play like this defense wants you like you need to play in the system, and it was just those kind of little things that he would do. And after, after like you know ten seconds after he left, everybody started laughing because we figured out that he had he had gotten us. But he kept it light, he kept it fun, 
and you just love him no matter what was going on. You love him so much that you wanted to, to go out there and play hard for him because he would do stuff like that all the time. And he cared and loved his guys. And so, uh, so yeah, playing, playing on Rex was a lot of fun. I know that, you know, as it went on, and this is the truth, this, this happens with every team and every player and every coach, I would imagine that, you know, you kind of start to tune him out a little bit, but at least in the early going, it felt like he was a very easy guy to play for, to kind of, you know, to kind of back up your point there that guys just absolutely loved him because he would go to the wall for him. There's, I, I, you'd be hard pressed to find a guy in the NFL. This is like Andy Reid too. Um, you'd be hard pressed to find a guy that said, I, I don't want to play for the Jets. I mean, everybody wanted to come over there when, when, when Rex was over there. Um, and so, yeah, uh, he's just one of those unique guys. And in, in the NFL, where it's such a business and everybody's job's always on the line and things can get really tight quick and when things aren't going right. And uh, uh, he just was, he never brought that attitude. It was always fun to come to work. Um, you enjoyed it. And when you, you, when we did bad, you'd, you'd eat it, but then you'd laugh about it and you'd move on. And uh, yeah, I mean, Rex is a unique person. I really hope he gets back in the NFL. The NFL is a better place with Rex Ryan in it. That's a great. That's a great point. It is because he's a fun, he's a character. He's fun. You know, he he's, he's getting, he from our perspective. He would give us something to write about every week, and you know whether it's <laughs> I'm not here to kiss Bill Belichick's rings or you know whatever it was, man. It was it was it was a blast. I want to wrap up with this question. I think we've talked about this before. As a New England guy, as a Cape Cod guy, as a guy who went to Maine, were you ever close to signing with the Patriots? I remember every single year, I would put together these free agent snapshots of these guys who I thought were under the radar and I was all clever and I, and I thought, Oh, you know, DeVito's a guy, you know, he's got local ties. He'd be a good fit along the new England defensive line. How close, if at all, were you to ever joining the Patriots? Yeah. So I would tell, I'll tell you, Chris, I, I would ask my agent any opportunity that we had. So whether it was 2012 coming out, 2014, when I restructured 2016, when I was thinking of coming back and playing again, I always ask my agent before you talk to anybody else, talk to New England, because I, you know, I, I, want, I would love to play for New England. I was the kind of guy, again, coming in and playing for Eric Mangini to start my career. I enjoy that New England. Oh, I don't say enjoy, but I thrive in that New England atmosphere. Mm -hmm. Like I need it tough. I, I don't want any distractions. Like I really uh, um, like that sort of micromanagement really hard black cloud over the facility. Like that's just kind of, a uh, uh, the way I am, but I, I, I didn't play my best football learning or I learned football from that sort of, um, that philosophy and that atmosphere. And so I always wanted to go to New England. I thought I could be a Belichick guy and, and be productive. Um, but they never were interested. My first years, Wilfork was there. So there were just no, you know, you guys, you guys always had good defensive linemen, but, uh, and then I think, you know, being a Jets guy, Belichick was probably like, screw this guy. <laughs> uh, you know, unless you're a Revis, uh, you know, the, the hell with this guy. Yeah, but yeah, I, no, yes. I'm, I'm, I'm trying to remember the number. I don't think Belichick, I, I can, I can think, I can, you can probably count the number of trades or, you know, other than maybe Sean Ellis, ex-Jets that he picked up off of kind of the, you know, from the Rex era, maybe on one hand. You know, there's Revis, obviously, yeah. Sean Ellis. But but yeah. the, they didn't really cross, you know, the, the border war at that time didn't have a lot of people, you know, going from one side to another. 
Yeah, and every time he took one of our guys, they either went to a Super Bowl or won a Super Bowl. Too. <laughs> <laughs> I was always happy for our guys. And like, like New England would get them, and they would get their, you know, Sean Ellis played for what for the Jets for what a decade and a half, and then he goes to New England and, and finally gets to the Super Bowl. You know, I was just I feel happy for our guys. But yeah, no, I mean, uh, uh, I always wanted to, but again, my agent would reach out and they would. <laughs> make it clear that they were not interested. So too, too bad for me, you know? Well, Mike, uh, I'm glad that, that we got you here now on a New England Patriots podcast, if that's any consolation. So look, I Um, really appreciate you taking the time to do this, man. This has been a lot of fun and hopefully we can hook it up again down the road sometime soon. Let people know where they can get in contact with you on social media or where they can find you these days. Yeah. So I'm at Mike DeVito 70 at, at, uh, on Twitter and, um, I do a three-point stance podcast uh, that comes out on Apple and all that stuff. And also KC Sports Network, uh, we do a podcast on Wednesdays uh, recapping the, the cheap stuff from a player's perspective. So a couple things going on there, but Twitter's probably the best place to find me. So uh, thanks, Chris. I, I really appreciate it. It's been an honor talking with you today. So thank this you for is, having it's me. It's been great. It's been great, man. And again, let, let's try and hook this up down the road sometime soon. Take care. Thanks. Bye, Chris. Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube.